everyone, welcome back to Raising Unicorns by Harmon Brothers. And in today's episode, you'll learn how to create ads that are relevant to your product, but shocking enough to break through the noise. Unicorns are real. In the past eight years, Harmon Brothers has helped raise five unicorns. Yes, that's five companies with a billion dollar valuation, with at least six more companies right on the cusp of becoming unicorns. Here on Raising Unicorns, we share the lessons we've learned to help you grow your business by tens or even hundreds of millions of dollars. It's time to start raising a unicorn of your own. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. You've got myself, Shane Rickard, the CEO of Harm Brothers, and... Jake Christensen, a creative director at Harmon Brothers. Today, we're talking about creativity. That's not a broad enough topic. I don't know what is, Jake. <laughs> I mean, obviously, we're going to talk about creativity in the context of like advertising and marketing and how creativity comes into play with our day-to-day work and what we do here at Harm Brothers and what we do for companies. They always measure the success of our campaigns really with does it increase sales? Not all the times, but I would say probably like 95% of the time, they're looking for a direct sales lift, right? Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, people don't connect creativity to sales. But like one of the things that I've noticed about creativity is like we are so bombarded at like a staggering amount of things vying for our attention, right? Mm -hmm. We're connected constantly between our phones, TVs. Like I was pooping the other day (laughs) and I was listening to a podcast in my ear and my wife was like, "Like, don't you like any time where your brain isn't filled with something else? Like I feel like the shower and like pooping were like sacred times. Uh (laughs) I was like, that's probably a good point. I'm a little out of balance. We're just constantly bombarded with information or ads or visual of some sort. And so I feel like creativity is really key to breaking through that constant noise and doing something that's very differentiated or gets like people's attention in a very interesting way that people haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. And so it's a constant race of combating trends that are becoming ubiquitous or trend of things that we've seen a million times and getting rising above that noise and breaking through as well as like working against a sales objective. That's how we prioritize all of our work is like, does it get people's attention and does it sell the product? Which one quote I saw the other day, it said something about how life is about breathing, taking breaths in and breaths out. And when you're consuming content, you are inhaling. And when you are creating content, you are exhaling. And so if you're only taking in, then that's not ideal. Like you also need to be putting out instead of just taking. Interesting. Yeah. Would you say we're in balance? (laughs) I think so, actually. I think at work, I'm constantly in like a creation mode. But then when I'm home, I'm constantly in a consuming mode. (laughs) This is what justifies Jake watching 45 hours of Netflix a week. (laughs) I wish it was just Netflix, but it's, I mean, it's... I thought you were going to say, I wish it was just 45 hours. (laughs) (laughs) It's like 90. I listen to it in my sleep. I'm listening to a podcast constantly or listening to an audiobook constantly or whatever. And so when I do get to sit down and just watch a show, that's like awesome. <laughs> it's it's not super common, but and I'm always listening to music. You said like shower time is sacred. Even shower, I have a speaker in there and I'm blaring music and, and it's just a problem at Harm Brothers. We're constantly like coming up with ideas at Harm Brothers. Jake is like one of our biggest idea guys. I'm gonna give a massive shout out to Jake. He's always coming up 90% of his trash. Yeah. But yep. <laughs> maybe, maybe 95. <laughs> but like that 5% is really critical. Like great stuff has done massive stuff for our clients and our campaigns and then been like huge performance boost for their campaigns. But I think there's a really like 
if you follow just like data, who's like, let's get this to be the most watched thing. I think there's a pitfall of doing a bait and switch. And you see this like in really cheap advertising that's on like banner ads where you see something that's like, you will believe number six. It's like, you know, it's like this very like baiting you to click on this thing and read this dumb article about these movie fails or whatever it is. And that's like something we try to avoid like the plague. And so we always try to come up with things that harm brothers as far as hooks or concepts for our, our creative that are both fitting and surprising which is super tough. Because I mean, a lot of things that are fitting are also kind of expected. So to have that combination of both is like the sweet spot. And it's really challenging. I see some of those ads that were someone like doing a backflip and it's like, backflips are cool. And so are these pants. (laughs) It has nothing to do with what you just saw or whatever. And it's just so different. So yeah, finding that, okay, what's something that's surprising, but that also when you say fitting, it's like what's also like pointing to the thing, you know? The product, right? product. Exactly. Yeah. For me, at least it takes just writing so many bad ideas. Like you just said, I come up with a lot of bad ideas. That is 100% true. But Babe Ruth had the record for striking out the most times while he also had the record for the most home runs. Okay. So it's like that is key, I think, to getting those big hits is you have to miss so many times and you have to write down so many bad ideas in order to get to the good one. And not only that, but I think you have to take big swings with creativity. Like you have to be willing to put out a big idea and have a big miss. Not even like making the idea like in a production, even throwing out the idea to a coworker. I mean, Jake and I have been in many brainstorming sessions where we just throw out stuff that's way too audacious, way beyond the budget. Those ideas have to flow and it has to like be okay to come up with those bad ideas. And they can be really big swing ideas that are terrible and they don't stick. But once you get one that fits the budget, that fits like the product, it's a home run, right? Uh Uh-huh. I remember early on when I was working here and I started writing more scripts, I would sit there in front of a blank page for half an hour. I couldn't come up with anything that I felt like was good enough to put on the page. And then finally, one time I just wrote at the top of the page, bad ideas. And then it gave me permission to just write anything and everything on it. And so then... I put down so many things and it was like in putting down all of those bad ideas, then I was able to like finally start mining the golden ones. But until I started just writing things, nothing was showing up. Yeah, it's you just got to give yourself permission to fail. Be okay with having bad ideas because knowing that's part of the process and knowing that that's how you're going to get one of those big hits is huge. Our mantra is like a creative team and like how we've gotten some of the really cool ideas out there into for our clients is definitely giving ourselves permission to fail. One of the other things too, when we're vetting ideas at Harmon Brothers, like one of the things that Jake and I and the creative team always try and keep at the forefront of our minds when we're making content for our clients is how do we make a concept stick? If you haven't read the book by Dan and Chip Heath, Made to Stick, it's a really, really great book. It's super, super fascinating. And they go through all these kind of case studies throughout history of marketing campaigns or slogans or things that have just stuck in people's minds and out lasted maybe the shelf life of the campaign, but they've just like endured for a long time. They stick in your brain. For example, one that I remember from that book was they talked about how Kit Kat did a campaign where it was Kit Kat and coffee, where people are like talked about how they love their Kit Kat and coffee in the morning. And as weird as that sounds to me now, like I wasn't around for that era, but it worked. People would automatically start associating their coffee with Kit Kats. And it was a constant reminder for them that, oh yeah, I'm having my coffee and I want a Kit Kat. It's so interesting because I feel like it makes you think differently about your creative. So sometimes it's the less obvious stuff. Because a lot of times, like we said, like the obvious things or the fitting things very often don't 
mean the most memorable or the things that'll stick and, you know, that are surprising. One of the things that we did on the Chapwick's mom video, she's relaxing in a bubble bath and she's like, I have so much time. I'm relaxing. It's like, are you kidding me? Like, and she pops up out of this bathtub and it was like very abrasive, very much so like, it was, this is not what it looks like type of a thing. It was very memorable and very sticky because it was not talking about coming out the gates and talking about photo books. It wasn't talking about the obvious thing of like, I love taking pictures of my family. It was like, I'm just relaxing and having a good time. Just kidding. I'm not. My life is insane. And I have crazy kids that are trying to kill me with a crossbow. It, was, uh-huh. it came out like it was talking about photo books in a totally different way that was very unexpected, but very relatable to people and so off kilter that like it stuck and resonated with people in a way that like they haven't read that ad for years now. Like I still have people when I tell them I work at Harm where there's and if they're usually if it's a woman, they know who Chapbooks is and they're like, oh man, I love those videos. Like that's something that constantly comes up when I talk to women. Yeah, which another one was The Chosen, which is a TV show about Jesus. And so we did an ad campaign where we had the devil telling people to not watch The Chosen. You know, I mean, everyone's go-to in any ad is to tell people to go watch this thing or go buy this thing. But we thought, let's come at it from the other opposite angle and go with an anti-ad where we tell people to not watch it but then make our person saying that be the most evil person to ever exist, which is the devil. I think the thing that was interesting is it was such a different offbeat mode of like, because usually we're like, hey, I'm a spokesperson. I love this brand. I love this thing. You should love this thing too. And to have that totally flipped was so jarring in some ways, again, because it was like something that people aren't doing. And it's not a way we're usually like talked to about a certain product or service. And whenever like spoken to that way about progressive, Flo's never like, oh, there's stupid discounts and they're, <laughs> you know, affordable insurance. It's like she never like talks that way. It was almost like the audience was like, what clever way are they going to talk negatively about the show that's actually a positive way? How many different clever ways can we do that? I know in the writing process, that was part of it is like, how can we stuff all these things that are positives in the show? But like, don't feel like we're like stuffing it down their throats because the devil's like, no, it's bad. You don't get it. I don't like it. You know? Right. Yeah. Which I think that another part of it of why it was like effective is that with something like religion, it's something that a lot of people are like, they preach to other people about their religion, trying to get people to join their religion. You know, it's like, this is something that's very common in Christianity is people trying to get people to join them and to like be part of them. And so it was like going against that norm, which that whole audience is familiar with, you know, of just like going the opposite direction of having the devil telling people to not watch the show about Jesus. And yeah, and it was so fun. It was such a fun one to make. I think also too, like asking, have I seen this before? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm like, because it's very easy to like come up with ideas that subconsciously you might not realize are derivative because you've seen that stuff. I mean, like again, like I was saying at the beginning of the, of the podcast is we consume so much content, mm-hmm. unbelievable amount of content, video and books, podcasts. There's so many things that get in there. It's so easy for it to just be like lost in the jumble. And mm-hmm. like, you're like, oh, I've got this idea. And then you think about it, you're like, oh, I'm pretty sure I've, stole this from somewhere else or it's like a derivative of it. Uh And that's okay. Those oftentimes are good jumping points. Like, how can we change this? How can we do something different? Or take that idea, that germ of an idea, spin that out into something. It's like, how can we put our own twist on it where it really makes it different, really makes it memorable? An example of this is we were doing um, some concepts for an intro for a client called Rinse, which is like a laundry delivery service. And like a lot of people in the reviews and like the customers we'd interviewed said like laundry was like a huge stress in their marriage and like stress in their day that they just like 
hated it with all their heart. And so I had the idea, I'm like, okay, maybe we can like have someone like chuck an entire basket full of laundry out the second story window, lands on a car, car alarm goes off. And I said this idea to Jake. And Jake was like, well, you know, like, I think it's like, it's a decent idea, but I feel like you could one up it. And so he was pushing me because he's like, I've seen a lot of ads lately that have like wallets that are being destroyed or products that are being destroyed. And like, that's like the intro is like, hey, watch, look at this nice thing as I destroy it, you know? And he's like, I feel like that's just like too close to like that feel. And so we came up with an alternative intro where he's like, ah, throws the basket out the window. And there's a dude walking a dog that just like sees this whole thing happen and stares at him. There's like a weird, awkward exchange between the two. <laughs> and you're right, bro. Uh -huh. <laughs> You know, it's like, yeah, I just don't like laundry, <laughs> you know, which is like a totally different spin on why it's funny and why it's memorable. Because in most of these ads, it's like, your wallet sucks. And then they break their wallet or whatever. Or like, it's like laundry's the worst. Yeah, laundry's the worst. Throw it out the window and then it just... That's the end of it. Yeah, exactly. So taking it to like extra comedic beat makes it feel very different from all the other competitors. It's funny because like, that's when I really wanted to film and we weren't able to do this in the first phase. It's definitely earmarked for our next phase with Reds. So if you haven't seen that ad, it's coming. So just cool it. <laughs> now you like kind of reminded me that whole process because even while I was pitching that to you, you had brought some of those, you know, your wallet sucks or like your, your shoes suck or whatever. Not even saying like your laundry sucks, even kind of tangential to that. But it was still close enough that you're like, I think we need to one up it. I think we need to push it harder. That thought process that you pushed on that creative, push it into a next realm where it was like, much funnier, much more entertaining. It was very different from like what's out there right now. Uh -huh. Which that brings up a point that I think is really key to highlight for anyone who's brainstorming and trying to get ideas for really anything. When you have something that you think is good, run it past people. Find your people who will give you good feedback. I know people who like I can take my different ideas to and they will just stroke my ego and just be like, oh my gosh, it's so good. Great job. I love it. You know? I mean, sometimes it's good to have those people when you go to other people who will just tear your ideas down. It's so valuable to have those people who will tear your ideas apart. We work with a guy named John Newton and John is fantastic dude. Freaking love John. I wrote a script the other day and I took it to someone and they read it and they were like, I loved it. It was so funny. They were all about it. Took it to another person and they were like, similar thing. And I was like, okay, I need to take it to someone who's going to tear it apart. So I took it to John Newton and John Newton tore that script apart. Like, I should show you afterwards, like all the notes that he put on it. Just so many things. This just is not like, funny. Yeah. This part doesn't make sense. <laughs> I don't like this character. Yeah. This is dumb. Yeah. It was one of those things where I had to like read it and then just put it away and not look at it for the rest of the day because it hurt my feelings so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I had convinced myself that I had crushed it. And it was a first draft. So obviously, so it, if anyone... Yeah, there yet. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, if anyone is telling you that your first draft is amazing, you need to keep looking and finding those people who will tell you it's not amazing. And we'll also just give you like good feedback. I mean, all of John's feedback wasn't amazing, but a lot of it was. And he also did a good job of just putting like, I like this and like, this is good and a ha-ha in there every once in a while. And I feel like that's one thing that I've learned at Harmon Brothers that's been so valuable to me is Harmon Brothers is all about doing brainstorm sessions and getting feedback from different people around the company. And I've now been able to like figure out who are my favorite people to get feedback from on project here at work and also people just outside of work who give great feedback. I feel like that's taken my creative to another level, like having good feedback from good people. Yeah, I think creativity is definitely... There's some people like Aaron Sorkin, 
you know, he's a famous screenwriter who wrote like The Social Network. He did The West Wing, who's a freaking savant. And mm -hmm. he has this very distinctive writing style. He doesn't collaborate with very many people. He does his thing and he's really good at it. I found that that is very much so like the exception, not the rule that like creativity is so much of a collaborative like effort. Like I look at all of our biggest campaigns that we've done here and so many different things come from so many different people and so many different ideas were spurred by feedback or just different things that come from different areas. And it's, it's not a solo sport. You know, mm -hmm. it's definitely something you want to involve a lot of minds in. And if you have the right people and the right trust between each other, it can make the product exponentially better from where it would have been if you would have just taken it as a solo endeavor. Mm -hmm. Jake was talking about like, we have a brain trust. You know, if you've read Creativity Inc., they have a, a similar thing that we kind of modeled it after where they have trusted storytellers who have a really proven track record where they go in and they give brain trust feedback and telling why they don't think it works. And it's a really effective tool. I remember bracing different people who have come into the company over the years because like, I think a lot of us who have been at the company for you know four or five, six years, we've gotten really used to like that feedback and what the, how valuable that is. And every time it sucks. Mm -hmm. It's like getting punched in the nose every time. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's... <laughs> <laughs> He's right. She's right. This doesn't make sense. I should have seen this before. Like, it always sucks. I'm going to throw Caitlin under the bus here. Caitlin's one of my favorite coworkers, Caitlin Snow. She's been an editor forever at Harm Brothers and a creative director as well. And she gives the most like short, curt, like, this is not funny. <laughs> it's just like the most brutal feedback. But like at the same time, it's so invaluable to have those people who will give you very direct feedback. This is not working. Here's why it's not working in my mind. Here's how you can improve it. And it's almost like you have to get used to them not saying it as like an insult to you. Like this is a piece of garbage. That's not what anyone ever says. No one ever says something like that. But they do want to get right to the point. And they do want to kind of diagnose what's wrong with your video, your script or whatever. Mm -hmm. And if you're looking at through of lens of like, oh, they're trying to be surgeons and come in here and like, this isn't working, this isn't working, I'd fix it like this, here's the problem. Like you can get to those quicker. It's a brutal process, but uh -huh. like, I think it's part of what our secret sauce is, is we have those trusted storytellers and those trusted advertisers and marketers who have that mind for where those pitfalls are and how to fix them. Mm -hmm. It's crazy how like, you know, I've been at Harm Brothers now for almost five years. I've gotten that so many different types of feedback. And I remember early on, you actually asked me to give feedback on a project. And I, it was like on three different videos. And on one of the videos, I didn't put any feedback. And you said, hey, you, you haven't given feedback on one of the videos. And I was like, oh, I, I thought it was good. I didn't think it needed any feedback. And you were like, okay. And then you didn't ask me to give feedback on, on, on anything for like a year or two after that. <laughs> it was like so long where you're just like, all right, well, then you are useless to me. If you think this is a polished product, you are useless to me. And I remember like realizing that I've never even told you this before. For the record, yeah, I was gonna say, for the record, Jake has never told me this. This is a real raw moment you're hearing right now. Uh, that was not conscious if, it, if that actually happened. What video was it on? Oh, I, I don't remember. I just oh, remember man. it was... I mean, if I thought really hard, I could probably remember it. But I remember being like, oh, I need to like get better at this. And now today, like if I get any video, I can go through and identify so many things. And I think that it's not just because I've made so many of these videos. It's because I've gotten so much feedback over the years that... You can diagnose it really quick. I can diagnose it really quick. Yeah. And it's so cool. And it is sometimes funny to me how candid we are with each other on projects because I had a buddy, he like made a video for his company and it was kind of like a Harm Brothers style video. And he was like, hey, dude, we just made this video, Harm Brothers style. I want to like get your feedback on it. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And so I gave him my feedback and it was a full 
page written, bullet points, <laughs> single space. Yeah. And it was just very thorough feedback for him. And I sent it over and I never heard from him again. <laughs> <laughs> and I checked on Facebook and he, he unfriended me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think he just wanted validation. Like, oh, Harmon Brothers also likes this. And I don't think he was actually wanting that. I don't know. Maybe he was. I don't know. He was like, this went live two weeks ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's the other thing is I think that it was already at the process that it was too late for like that kind of feedback. I don't know. But I gave him the feedback and he did not like it. <laughs> or I don't, I never heard from him again. So who knows? So let me ask you this, Jake. Let's get into some questions like for you. I think that a lot of people listening to the podcast, they're either entrepreneurs or they're marketers themselves or advertisers. They have different levels of creative involvement in their job for advertising or marketing. And so I think one of the things that might be helpful for them is to talk to like, where do you get your best ideas? Like, where do you draw inspiration from? Or where do you like go to to get your creative ideas into your advertising or into your scripts? I have kind of a process that I do. If I know I'm just going to be working on a script that day, then that morning, <laughs> I have specific music that gets me stoked to write. I will listen to rap music. To me, rap music is such poetry that gets me so stoked to write. I love the verbiage and everything like that. It just gets me so pumped to write. So I listen to rap music. I go to a coffee shop. I get a coffee. I sit down and... I write. That environment is busy enough enough going on around me that I'm a little bit distracted, but not distracted by like social media. Like if I get too bored just in a room by myself, then I'll be like, oh, let's go to social media or whatever. But if there's a little bit going on in the room, then it distracts my ADD enough that I can just stay focused on whatever thing I'm working on, which putting my phone away, that's another big part is I will have my backpack and I'll put my phone in my backpack on the ground and then I'll write and I'll sit and be like, look at the page, blank page for several minutes before I'm like, okay, I just have to get something on it. I just have to start. And I'll just put anything down and maybe I'll label the page bad ideas, but then I start writing. And then once I start writing, then I give myself permission to put down all my ideas, good or bad. And then once I find one that I think I like, I just start running with it. And I run with it until I realize it has a dead end and like it's not going to work. And then I'll go back and just keep writing like other options and take one of those and keep running with it. And yeah. What things do you draw inspiration from? Like what sources of like material? Like as far as do you draw from movies? Do you draw from books? Where do you draw your creative ideas from? Some people, I think this question is like, I don't, I just, I think, what do I need to do for this? And I come up with ideas, right? No, I think for me, that's also like pretty conscious. One thing I figured out, if I'm watching a lot of low quality content, like TikTok and just like scrolling on TikTok, I will constantly be coming up with ideas that are like low quality ideas like that. And if, or even like super short form, like yeah. has like one twist yep. where it's a one punch funny moment, uh -huh. which has its place, but it's like, it's yep. just like one quick twist and kind of almost a trick, right? Yep. Exactly. Whereas if I'm consuming high quality content, high quality TV shows, high quality movies, high quality books, podcasts, all that, then I'm more likely to tap into that type of creative when I'm trying to come up with my own ideas. I don't have TikTok on my phone. I tried my best to limit Instagram and Facebook and everything like that. And I tried to be very aware of what type of content I'm consuming because that's also the type of content I'm going to 
produce. It's kind of like you are what you eat in some ways, right? And I don't think like it's like all of a sudden like, you know, if we're watching Martin Scorsese films, like all of our ads are going to feel like a Martin Scorsese film. You know what I mean? But I feel like also like the cleverness and like the screenwriting, the type of dialogue, the type of jokes, like those things lead into your subconscious and your creative mind of what type of things your mind wants to write naturally. And and this isn't to like bag on anything social media because I think there's very creative people on social media and very creative people on TikTok. But like if it's always that really quick disposable stuff, that's what you're going to get. That's what you're like going for in terms of like where you want to play in the market. Consuming the very best of that quality is probably like a really good route for you. You know, Harlem Brothers, we try and do big campaigns that have like staying power, that build on the brand, that aren't a flash in the pan, that's something they can be proud of. Yeah. And it's something that has an enduring presence online and, and in their advertising mix. We try and live in that world where we like, it's a cut above everything else that's out there. It's surprising how much quality and, and humor we can jam into an ad type of thing. Is We try and live and like that's where we try and aspire to all the time. On that note, as I'm consuming different things, I make ads at work and then when I'm at home, I'm writing and directing short films. My goal is to make feature films one day. That's like where I'm headed. And so anytime I'm reading a book or watching a stand-up comedy special or different things, if I hear a joke that I love or like read something that's written in a different way, Frederick Backman is one of my favorite authors and he writes these novels. He has such a unique writing style and I've thought multiple times, okay, what would this look like if it was in movie form? Mm. What would this joke look like if it was a scene in a movie? Or what would it look like if I was to put this into an ad? Or I will just do like these thought experiments of something that I love in one creative. Cross-genre, like cross-pollination across genres or formats or mediums, right? Yeah, exactly. Across mediums, across formats. Yeah. I was watching a play one time, or a musical, and it, it was called The Drowsy Chaperone. The way that the play is done, where they have a character who's like a narrator throughout the play, like it's such a unique way of doing a play that I hadn't seen before. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. What would it look like if that was in a movie? And I kind of started running with that idea. The next day when I like sat down to write, I just started writing what that would look like in a movie. And I came up with an idea that I won't say on here, but it's like it's something that was felt very different and unique that I hadn't seen a movie before. And I hope to be able to incorporate this into one of my movies that I make someday. But it got me to a place that I couldn't have gotten without that, like, creative. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I think (laughs) that's how the movie Swiss Army Man was made, where people are just like, what if we did this, like, weird? If you guys haven't seen Swiss Army Man, it's one of the most bizarre, creative, and, like, almost upsetting... films Uh I've ever seen. But like, I think, again, you got to take risks. You got to take swings, you know? And one thing I loved about that movie is that there's like several like movies, books, songs, things that like I've listened to or watched that have made me say the phrase, I didn't know you could do that. (laughs) Like, I didn't know you could do that in a movie. I didn't know you could write a book this way. I didn't know, you know, and like, that's one of my favorite feelings. I wish there was like a word for that feeling that's like, oh my gosh, I just discovered something new that I didn't know you could do. And Swiss Iron Man was definitely one of those movies for me where I watched that movie and I was like, I didn't know you could just do that in a movie. I loved it. Such a good... Unexpectedism. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Same thing. Oh, yeah, that freaking... if Yeah, not that, that this is a movie be. podcast, but right. like talking about creativity, I feel like that in narrative storytelling, there's a lot of different ways you can take, you know, 
risks in different ways you can from like advertising. But we try and incorporate as much of that of like breaking formats and crossing over genre boundaries in a way where it's unexpected. Again, because your whole goal in advertising is obviously to like sell product. The way you sell product is you win people's attention with creativity. You win people's mind share. It's just a different application of that skill set of creating new ideas that people haven't seen before. Yeah. Maybe I'll answer this because you already kind of answered this. Your best tips for getting in the zone. You said you went to, you listen to rap music, you go to a coffee shop, you want to be distracted, you don't want to be in a white sterile room, you want to be somewhere with some stimulation, you just like flow mm-hmm. and let the ideas go, right? Yeah. For me, like I think getting in the zone, I'm a little bit different where I think if I'm like totally solo by myself when I'm writing, I feel like I struggle. I actually do way better when I spitball with someone first, get the seed of an idea first and like maybe even have a little bit of banter back and forth. And then I go off and like write that thing up. I think a little bit of it is because my position at Harm Brothers, I'm always busy with a million different things. And so like if I'm on my computer, there's always someone like... And I think a lot of people are this way. Like, well, there's always like something to distract you. There's always a Slack message. There's always a meeting. There's always something. Having time that I set aside to go in a room with Jake or Ryan Powell, one of our writers, or someone in setting time to just like throw a ball back and forth in the room or like just start spitballing ideas and just throwing crap against the wall is really beneficial for just like, again, it's just getting the flow of ideas to just freely fly is like Mm -hmm. really critical for me. And so just like creating that space where you're not distracted. I know some writers, they straight up write on like devices that aren't connected to the internet whatsoever. They just have like an iPad that like is not connected to Wi-Fi. Or typewriter. <laughs> or I mean, <laughs> I mean, like George R. R. Martin writes on an old like Tandy 86 computer because like uh, he's, I mean, one, he's weird. But like, <laughs> like I think the idea of like a connected device that has a billion ways of distracting you or people reaching out to you is definitely like something that doesn't nurture creativity when you're in a workspace. So I think putting on Do Not Disturb is like a really good help, you know, or like putting your phone away and just like creating a time bubble where you can be protected from distractions. Mm -hmm. And whatever that looks like, whether it's sitting at a coffee shop or whether that's like spitballing with like another writer and just like brainstorming, I think that's like you have to create a space where it's okay for ideas to flow. Because if you don't, and there's always a million things that are always pressing. And like if you're an entrepreneur or you're in a marketing team, there's always an initiative. There's always some pressing issue that always comes up. And I think a distraction and just like being overly busy is really bad for creativity. Like mm-hmm. giving your your brain space to like just wander and think in ways where it doesn't when it's trying to just go task, 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 you know. That reminds me of the book, The War of Art. So there's the book called The Art of War. Not that one. I'm talking about The War of Art where it's the battle of trying to create anything. And anyone who isn't anything, does anything creative, needs to read that book. It's a very short book, but it talks I've about... i read that one. Oh, really? Yeah, I'll oh, you check it out. Oh my gosh, dude. Yeah, fantastic. And it's all about resistance and how resistance will try to keep you from accomplishing whatever creative task you're working on. And it's about fighting resistance and tapping into the flow of creativity mm. and how that is definitely a real thing, a real energy place dimension yeah. that you can tap into where all of a sudden the ideas are just flowing through you and you are just a conduit. When I've been in those moments, it honestly feels like I'm just the conduit that this thing that already exists somewhere is just coming through me onto my paper. So what you're basically saying, Jake, is if you can get in that zone, the script will write itself. Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) what I'm saying. But then you'll like, it'll write itself and you'll be like, this is amazing. You'll take it to someone they'll be like, this is not amazing. You need to, yeah, exactly. (laughs) They will crap all over it. And then you have to like go back and realize like, okay, I 
here's the areas I need to fix. And then you start trying to rewrite them until you can tap into that energy again and then write your second draft. And you'll be like, oh my gosh, this is so much better than the first. And it's amazing. And then you take it to people and they're like, here's why. You take it to John Newton. And he's like, here's why it's not amazing. <laughs> Hit him up on LinkedIn. <laughs> and then he, he loves to tear your script apart. Okay, so this last thing I, I want to cover here is you get in that flow and you have all sorts of ideas. You're in a brainstorming session. What's your litmus test for, is this a good idea, like an okay idea and like an absolutely amazing idea? How do you discern between the two when you're going through your creative process? One way is checking in with people and just getting like votes from people. I've done that multiple times where I'm like, hey, I've got three ideas. Tell me what which one you like the best. And that's like a simple way. The way that I think is just that works best for me is whatever idea is the most fun. <laughs> like, I honestly think that people see fun as like something you do after work. But I think that the word fun, it's a guide. And it can guide you in your life in creative pursuits where it's like, if this thing seems fun, then that's actually like something within you pointing at it saying, this is the right answer. Mm -hmm. I've let fun be my guide on quite a few projects with the devil one. I started writing that concept and I thought there's no way the chosen is going to go for this. And I was like, I don't care at this point. It's the most fun to me. And so I'm just going to keep writing it and I'm going to keep working on it. And eventually fun was right. And they chose it and we made it and it was so fun. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to say, I think for me, it's a very similar feeling of when you say the idea out loud, if like a flood of opportunities for like creativity or, or like ways to use clever, the concept like spurs into like these clever moments that can come out and like you could play it this way or that way or this way, you know, there's all sorts of instant things that are surprising and interesting about the concepts for me is like gives it legs. Mm -hmm. versus just like a one flash in the pan, it's kind of done kind of a thing. It has like some staying power. It has like expandability is a big one for me. I love ideas that when I hear them, I'm just like, I love to just say like, what the freaking crap that was? Like, was that? <laughs> like, I love, I like, and I, ones that like scripts that people are reading to us, like when I'm reading a concept, if I can't help but laugh because it's a little absurd, but it's like absurd yet fitting. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. Like, that's like so exciting to me where it's like, you could still see how this works. You know, and there's there's one, it involved a talking fish and it's like a definitely a WTF script like uh -huh. where it's just off the wall <laughs> baddie and like I know like I tend to like put creatives and writers on, on projects that come with those ideas because if you can get it to where it fits for the brand and fits for your objective in a way that will break through that noise that's what you need you need that like unexpected mm -hmm. stuff that's like sticky and being like oh man I can see this come to life and I could just be like I've never seen something like this this is wild to me that thought is also really fun so I kind of like fits with what you were saying that yeah. excites us and I think that's exciting exciting for audiences to see too. And they're cruising on Facebook and Instagram. They've seen a billion things in like the last 20 minutes and seeing something like, oh, I've never seen that before mm -hmm. is fun. Yeah. So I was doing a meditation a couple months ago and I had this thought come to me that's been really useful in like my work and my creative work. And the thought was the sacred often hides in the silly. As I was thinking about that, you think about like if a dad was like having a tea party with his daughter. It's very silly just to like look at on the surface. But when you like look a little deeper, there's something very like sacred about it where it's a dad putting off his like masculinity in order to make his daughter happy. Like there's something that's like sacred about that. And I've taken that and applied that to like brainstorming sessions and different things 
place where I'm like, okay, instead of trying to think of the perfect thing, let's just start with the silly. And let's start with what are some silly ideas that are just like that no one would ever do. And then once like I get one that I like that like we possibly could do, then I go into that idea and I try and find the sacred inside of it and try and find which the sacred might not be the right word, but it's like the meaningful, like or how this could reach a potential client, how this could inspire someone, you know, using that as like a framework has helped me out a lot. Start with the silly and then find the meaningful inside of it. The meaningful core, the meaningful core to the silly. Interesting. I've never heard that one before. That's a new, that's again, that's a fresh moment here on the podcast couple of bullet points to like sum up all that we've covered in this because we've covered a lot a lot let fun be your guide definitely a good one another one is creativity is key to breaking through the noise and getting people's attention to convince them to buy something so that's creativity is key to that you will create the level of content you also consume If you want to create higher quality content, consume higher quality content. Give yourself a space or figure out what's your method of creating a zone where you can have ideas flow, whether that's like Jake in the coffee shop while listening to rap music or, you know, brainstorming with another trusted creative and giving yourself that time. Give yourself permission to be bad. And the sacred often hides in the silly. And lastly is be okay with people giving you really soul-crushing feedback because it is for your benefit and for the benefit of the creative. Yeah. So I think this has been super helpful for me, Jake. I mean, I've worked with Jake for a long time. Even hearing his process is very refreshing to like understand how he comes up with some of his amazing ideas for our clients. And so I hope it's been helpful for you guys. We really appreciate you guys listening to us on the podcast here today. We appreciate it. And until next time, take it easy and be creative, guys. Tired of playing catch up on your marketing approach? Plan your whole year of ad content with our video strategy in a day. The Harmon Brothers are known for their ad work with Lumi, Purple, and Skull Shaver. And now we're offering a 20-minute video that helps you strategize your best profit-pushing ad research, messaging, and testing for free. Because a win for great businesses is a win for all of us. Go to harmonbrothers.com forward slash video strategy to save future you a lot of stress with no pitch and nothing to buy.